if I can convince people of anything, it's that idea that it's not normal to become physically frail. It's very much about lifestyle. It's very much about how physically active you are, what you ask your body to do. Welcome to Zestful Aging, where I interview thoughtful, inspiring, and creative guests who are changing the way we think about what is possible in our lives, especially as we age. I'm your host, Nicole Christina, psychotherapist and fellow Zestful Ager. And I love to hear from my listeners. My new website, ZestfulAging.com, is up, and it makes it easy for you to leave comments or suggestions. As a psychotherapist with a specialty in food and eating issues, I know that the holidays can be a real challenge when it comes to food. Food and family visits are often a tricky combination. So if you'd like to learn how to have a more peaceful relationship with food, eating, and your body, both during the holidays and the rest of the year, check out my web course, The Wisdom of Mindful Eating. This course is super practical and it's user-friendly. It has the power to change your life. You'll find the course on the website, zestfulaging.com. Our music is provided by Judy Banker, who was a guest on Zestful Aging. Her CD, Buffalo Motel, will be out in January of 2020. Find out more about Judy at her website, judybanker.com. Well, I've got my Jack Russell Sparky right by my side, so let's begin. Today we're speaking with Kay Van Norman, who's the president of Brilliant Aging. She's an internationally known healthy aging expert, and she directed the Kaiser Institute on Aging. She serves on international boards, speaks and consults around the world, and has an extensive list of publications, including two books, numerous chapters, scores of journal articles, and a Chinese translation of her latest book. Kay created the Vitality Portfolio Model for Lifelong Health, including resources to make a vitality plan, balance wellness, core, and functional assets. We're going to learn more about that and make regular deposits into our health account. Uh, welcome to the show, Kay. Well, thank you so much, Nicole. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm really excited to be here. That is wonderful. Uh, you're such an expert and you know so much and it's undergirded by science. So it's not like, you know, sometimes we go on Facebook and we learn about <laughs> these kale cleanses and, oh, goodness, and yeah. then we, uh, then, then maybe we ask ourselves, who is this person who's uh, recommending mm -hmm. this? Um, so I'm, I'm just delighted that you really have experience. It's scientifically backed and, and you know what you're talking about. So I love that. And um, <laughs> well, I also you. love the name and, and this idea of vitality yeah. is such an important concept. Could you talk a little bit about, I mean, we're all trying to figure out how to age well. Talk a little bit about um, some of the core elements that we should be paying attention to if indeed we want to age well. 
Well, thank you. Yes. Um, I, one of the things I think that hit me early on in, in my career working with older adult well-being is that, you know, we, like you said, we all have this, this idea that we'd like to age well, but what do we actually do on a daily basis to make that happen? And that's why I created the Vitality Portfolio, kind of, it mimics the, the idea of a financial portfolio, and most people are pretty pretty comfortable with that concept anyway, that, you know, in order to have financial well-being that lasts, you have to make a plan, you have to balance assets, and you have to um, actually make regular deposits. Mm. And I think that's where people tend to, to sort of fall off the ledge. Um, we, we all, st- so many of us tend to worry about big things that might happen to us, you know, a, a major accident or I- illness or injury. And yet, what I have learned through the years I've been working in this field is it's most often the small choices made day after day compounded over time that really send us down a health trajectory one way or the other. Um, Mm -hmm. And the other part of the equation I think that's really important is that how do we get back on track when something does happen? Mm -hmm. And how do we keep a health setback from becoming a new health set point. And I think that's a a really important piece of the equation. Um, And I think especially uh, for, for people, you know, 65 plus or whatever, what I have found is that if you look at it from the perspective of young people with, with disabilities and with challenges, they are giving resources, tools, and encouragement to overcome those challenges and live fully in spite of them. And yet it seems that we're still in such an ageist culture that when an older person has a similar challenge, they're just giving tools and resources to just cope with the challenge rather than overcome it. I see. It's like, well, you're aging anyway. Exactly. So. Yeah, you're you're old, so you're you know old. what's the you know what's the point of really um, trying to regain everything? And I guess that's one of the messages that I really push hard for. It's there is such a profound difference in the mindset between just coping with a challenge and overcoming a challenge, mm-hmm. and that results in a profoundly different outcome. And so I think I think the elements of First of all, listen to the scripts that are sort of running in your brain about aging. And I think this is, again, sort of a missing piece of the equation because sometimes we don't even really know what those subconscious scripts are. And maybe you're going along and you're, you're doing really well, you're, you're staying active, you're um, you know, eating healthy, nutritious food most of the time. And all of the things that help us uh, stay healthy, you're staying socially connected, engaged with others, you're, you know, you find things that are, that you can be passionate about in your life. And then you have some kind of a a health crisis. And sometimes these aging scripts all sudden just sort of, you know, flood, flood you and keep you from, from stepping out and saying, no, this is, this is just a setback, not a new set point. And I'm going to continue moving forward and living well, regardless of challenges. You know, Kay, I have done, as you can imagine, a lot of work and reading and research uh, and interviewing in, in the aging field. So I, you know, I feel like I have a pretty good sense of what's going on. I want to tell you that I really appreciate this idea of, okay, you're doing everything right, 
um, you're doing everything well, but what happens when there's a setback? And I have mm-hmm. not heard about that recently, if at all. And I, I really appreciate this perspective because we could be injured doing something like playing mm-hmm. tennis. Mm-hmm. We could be injured doing something that we love. I have some clients who have really suffered psychologically because for one reason or another, they were runners and they got an injury. And mm-hmm. now, you know, now what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. And I think that that, that now what, I, I guess my my advice to people would be to take age out of the equation and do everything possible to regain as much function as possible Mm -hmm. and use whatever adaptive strategies are necessary um, to keep moving forward in life. Now, it may look a little different than what you were doing before, but that idea of really taking age out of the equation so that you don't allow age to determine how far you're going to push yourself um, to recover fully. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that that is so critical because I can tell you it's, it's very common for healthcare providers, family, well-meaning family and friends to just sort of say, oh, gee, you know, maybe you need to pull back and step back and make your world smaller to cope with it as opposed to trying to, again, expand and, and grow. And not that, not that it may not change because it very well may change, but the mindset is so critical. That you're going to just keep living as full as possible, regardless of those challenges. Mm-hmm. Could you give an example? I think those are so helpful stories to to bring this idea to life. Well, yeah, I can give a really personal example. Um, I have been a, a I taught dance at Montana State University for many years in physical education before I started my company. I had had been a you know a dancer most of my life, and I was continuing to try to dance while my business was growing, and I was traveling, and I was doing all these things. And it was really interesting because at one point I decided I really wanted to get back into performing dance, and sort of um, I guess leaped into it without a lot of preparation, <laughs> and ended up uh, injuring myself and not being able to perform. And I remember at the time thinking to myself well, gosh, it's really a shame now that now that I'm older, I'm not going to be able to dance the way I, I wanted to dance. And then it hit me. It's like, here I am with all this, this, I've read so much research and done a lot of study on ageism and how it impacts your choices and all these kinds of things. And here I was falling victim to this agement, aging mentality that, oh. that it was just because of my age. And what I what I stepped back and said, wait a minute, now, what if I prepared for this in, this in the same way I would prepare for any other project I was going to do? I, I real, realized I needed to give myself more time um, to, to stretch and warm up and, and be strong enough to do those things. Um, I needed to, you know, be committed to, to the process and not just sort of fly in and go to rehearsal and, you know, fly out. But and not so I, having unrealistic expectations. Right. That you got, if you're going to, if I was going to prepare to do some sort of a big project for somebody, first thing I would do is gather all the tools necessary to be successful with that project. I would do the research. I would, you know, you gather all those things to be successful with that project. Or if you're building something, you know, you got to have the materials, you got to have the tools, you got to have the time to do it. Um, And so that's the way I started approaching it. 
And, so you wouldn't um, go out on stage to make a keynote without practicing exactly, your speech. Exactly, <laughs> without having put together something, you know, talk about. It. And so it, that's what I started doing. And it was a dramatically different result. And finally, it was like, oh, well, there it is. And, you know, if I if like, for instance, if there was a, a move that I looked at and I thought, I don't know if I can do that, I had to say to myself very consciously, okay, what is it that that you need to be able to do that? Well, I might need a little more flexibility or a little more power, you know, to get up off the ground quicker or whatever. And then what can I do to gain that? You know, if, if I can do something to gain that, get with it. If I can't, then how can I modify it? And so I just, it was really a change of mindset mm -hmm. that allowed me to get back into that. And that was 10 years ago. And so I'm 60, what am I, 62 now. I was I was able to, to perform and, and it felt really good. And I've been performing, you know, continuing to perform for the last 10 years. So two years ago, I choreographed a piece to Aretha Franklin's Rocksteady. And it was a lot of big kicks and turns and down on the floor and back up and all these kinds of things. And again, I decided I was going to get stronger than I had been even the last couple of years and really worked at it and, and stretched and worked. And it was really quite gratifying because some of the younger dancers, which are in their twenties and early thirties were complaining about how hard it was. And it was like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's a great thing. That's a great story. So you're saying that a lot of this has to do with making sure your thoughts are in line. Oh, absolutely. I think that is so key because if, you're, if your mindset is not in line, it's so much easier to get knocked off the path. I mean, when you are faced with challenges, it's so much easier to get knocked off the path. And then also the mindset that I remember distinctly one time, these friends of ours, when we were building our house, they, we were happened to be chatting with them and they were, they said, and they were runners and really active and everything. And they said, yeah, we really need to build a new house because when we get old and can't climb stairs. And I said, well, wait a minute, what do you mean? when you get old and can't climb stairs and they said well you know when you get older you know you can't do this you can't do that and I said well and I'm, I'm all for universal design don't get me wrong I'm not arguing against that right. but I said any one of us could get hit by a bus tomorrow and not be able to climb stairs but we don't plan our life around that I said that mindset that oh it's just it's you know I'm just going to become you know frail when I get older and I always uh, try to to explain to people that physical frailty is very common and it's very predictable with age, but it's not normal in the sense that it's completely avoidable for most people, um, unless you have some sort of disease process in place, you know, with a um, you know, muscular disease process. But I see. the capacity for the human body to retain strength and mobility is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, you know, if I can convince people of anything, it's that idea that it's not normal to become physically frail. It's very much about lifestyle. It's very much about how, how physically active you are, what you ask your body to do. We are, the human body is so infinitely adaptable that it will 100% adapt to whatever it is you're doing on a habitual basis, day mm -hmm. after day after day. And mm -hmm. so if you're sitting in front of the TV, if you're sitting in your car to go to work and then you sit at a desk and then you come home and sit, that's what it's gonna adapt to. It's gonna get rid of the muscle tissue and it's just going to adapt. So let's talk about the small choices. Yes. Talk to us about 
what that would look like if I was designing something for my life and I wanted to integrate some of these small choices that day after day mm -hmm. make a big difference, mm -hmm. what would they be? Well, I think that's where the vitality plan comes in. Um, and it's really looking at your, your life on the whole. And, you know, you, you kind of, first you can look at it as a, as a, a whole, you know, what do I do most of the time in the six dimensions of wellness, like the physical dimension, the uh, emotional, social, spiritual, intellectual, vocational, those are, you know, a very common six dimensional wellness wheel of, you know, you mm -hmm. need to make deposits into each one of those things throughout your life to have a balanced life. I also break it up into the core assets of resilience and ageless thinking, which we've been talking about quite a bit. But those those daily choices of trying to, again, trying to be as physically active as possible in your life. And it I mean, we've all heard those things. We've all heard that we should, you know, if you've been sitting for more than 15 or 20 minutes, you should stand up and move around a little bit. If you, you know, should take the stairs, you should do, you know, all these kinds of things. And, and it's again, it's very simple to think about. But how do you make yourself actually do it? What's and the motivation? I, yeah, what's yeah. the motivation? I think that's it's bridging that gap between intentions for aging well and actual mm -hmm. actions, taking the actions. And so mm -hmm. I think it is it's it's starting small. It's making those small little swap outs. And I do have a, a sitting desk and a standing desk both. I have one of those desks that change from one to the next because I, mean, I do a lot of work on the computer. And if I'm really working on something, writing or whatever, all of a sudden realize I've been sitting there for an hour. And so I do I try to do a lot of, of standing when I'm working. But it, it is taking the time to you know, give yourself a 15-minute brisk walk in the middle of the day. I mean, mm -hmm. most of us have some kind of a, a lunch break or some kind of a break, no matter what work we're doing. You know, take the time to make that little deposit. And I think if you just think about them as little deposits, you know, in the social uh, wellness. Take the time to pick up the phone and make that phone call to a friend that you haven't talked to in a while. You know, I think we so, so often get really busy and we get, you know, we get to work and we get home, we do all the things we have to do, and then you just kind of want to, you know, insulate yourself. Mm -hmm. And so just being aware, I think, of, of those dimensions of well-being is really helpful. Mm -hmm. I, in the, the vitality portfolio model I created, you know, I have people draw a wellness wheel and what that means is that if you think of each dimensions as a spoke on a wheel and that you have to have the spokes kind of balanced in order mm -hmm. for the wheel to move along. Mm -hmm. If you were to draw your wellness wheel today and each spoke was how you drew that spoke represented how many deposits you made into that dimension. You might have some that are really big, some that are really mm -hmm. small, some mm -hmm. that aren't even there at Existent, all. Existent, <laughs> right? You know, and so that starts to give you a sense. A wobbly wheel. Yeah, very wobbly wheel. And, I, you know, I tell people, kind of look, when if you look at the diagram, it looks more like a piece of pie, but wellness pie didn't seem to really fit. So wellness, <laughs> wellness wheel seemed a little better. Um, but, yeah, I think that it's really important to just sit down and, and give some thought around it because – People tend to spend more time planning a, a vacation than they do, you know, their well-being and, 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 their, and their life, you know, over the long haul. Mm -hmm. And so the motivation, gosh, if I could if I could answer that question, I, you know, I would be the queen of the world. Um, what mm -hmm. motivates people to actually take action? But what I have found is that 
those ageist mindsets, those those aging scripts that are running on our brain can throw down roadblocks over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. So if there was one thing I could help people with, it's to, to really take some time to think about what are those aging scripts running in your brain and where do they come from? I mean, I know people are probably thinking, well, what is an aging script? Well, we learn about aging from our, our parents and grandparents. Uh, we teach our children about aging. We learn about aging from our, from our, from our community. And we learn about aging kind of in the broader sense of the world. We hear these, these messages constantly about aging. And you either have to consciously reject a lot of these negative stereotypes of aging because they are so powerful. Because you hear them so many times throughout your whole life. Trying to at least take some time to think about what, you know, what did you learn about aging from your parents and grandparents? Are they very or were they very active, engaged individuals? Um, were they, did they just sort of follow the path of decline into dependence? Mm. You know, what, what is that story? What is that script? And you have family aging scripts, you have community aging scripts, you have, you know, cultural aging scripts. What are those dominant scripts? And I think for me, I mean, I was fortunate to have my, both sets of grandparents my, on my mom and mom's side, there was they were ranchers in Wyoming and had sold the ranch when they were in their early 60s because that's what they thought they were supposed to do and retired to town. And they got bored and didn't like living in town. And it, and after about eight months, actually bought an old broken down ranch that didn't have running water and started over, raising <laughs> yeah raising Hereford bulls. And they they worked on the ranch in, into their 90s. So That's they a just, great story. It yeah. is. It's, it really it's demonstrates. Fantastic. Yeah, it really like, demonstrates. Like this is what I thought I was supposed to do, but yeah. it's not working. It's not working, and it doesn't. It doesn't feel right. And I'm bored. And I, you know, where do you go from here if you don't have something that you're passionate about, and it don't have something to work towards? You know, what do, what are you doing? And then my on my father's side, they did the same thing. They retired and got bored. And after about a year, they bought an old. A motel in their town and remodeled it and ran that for another 20 years. And so that mm-hmm. is my, that was part of my aging script. I um, see. And then the other things that I've learned, I mean, I talk about in this, this vitality model, I talk about resilience and ageless thinking. And I tell you what, if you could just wave a magic wand and help people have that ageless thinking and resilience as two core pieces that keep them moving forward in life. That is so important. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's getting better in terms of having more models for aging well and aging with vitality? Oh, absolutely. I think that, you know, it used to be a real curiosity to see somebody who was in their 90s, their 100, you know, doing anything, you know. And now, you know, I mean, I think Growing Boulder has done a great job of really getting the message out there and really uplifting all these examples of people doing, you know, amazing things into their hundreds. What I like about Growing Boulder is it's not just the super athletes that they highlight, but it's just people who are doing all kinds of interesting things. And And growing, talk talk about what Growing Boulder is for our audience. Oh, yeah. Well, Growing Boulder is an an organization, Growing Boulder Media Group, and they have a, a really fantastic website. Um, they have a radio program. They have public television stations. They do um, programs on public TV. 
And it's just this whole media group that their whole focus is trying to uplift positive aging um, mm -hmm. and, and helping people see that there's another way to think about aging, which, which I really love. They also do a lot of uplifting of people with challenges, you know, differently able people and doing all kinds of amazing things. And I think those th two things work together so well. I think we have a lot to learn from the disability movement in this country of the ability to just help people come up with adaptive strategies and, and move forward in life regardless. And really value people who are not 25 and, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, running on the beach holding right. their, their beer <laughs> or whatever. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that it's just, I mean, I, for, I feel really fortunate that I've gotten to, to be in this industry where I've gotten to know so many amazing people of all ages and, you know, well into their 90s and 100s. And I think two of my, my best teachers have been uh, a woman by the name of Harriet, who was my uh, youngest son's childcare provider uh, from the time he was six months old until he went to school. Harriet had a, a really bad back. And when she said she, you know, I, I was actually teaching the Young at Heart program at the time at Montana State University, which was an exercise program for older adults and needed childcare and, and ask around. And she really wanted to do it. And, but she was, she had osteoporosis and spinal kyphosis, which they used to call the dowager's hump, you know, because of the spinal fractures. Anyway, I was concerned about her getting hurt or Cole getting hurt. And she just kind of laughed. She said, oh, I've had a bad back my whole life and I took care of my own kids. I don't know why it would be any different now. Well, Harriet was 80 years old at the time. Mm -hmm. And so here she was, 80 years old, with all kinds of physical problems, and yet she watched Cole from the time he was six months old until he went to school. Wow. And I thought if it lasted one university semester, again, you know, ageism, oh, yeah. <laughs> that I would be thrilled. But it, it actually, you know, all that time. And she was fantastic. And Cole is a, a very different person because of, of that experience. I mean, he's always had the empathy. And the, when she sometimes would have a, what call a bad back day, I would come in and and he might be like three years old sitting on the floor and he would be have a book upside down pretending like he was reading her a story. And she'd be laying <laughs> oh. on the heating pad on the couch and he'd oh. say, Grandma Harriet's having a bad back day and I'm reading her a book. And it was just oh, such wow. a fantastic thing. And again, it's just that adaptive strategy. It's that mm -hmm. ability to say, hey, I, my back is hurt when I was young. It hurts mm -hmm. now. What's the difference? Why would I change my life? Because of age when I've had this experience before and I raised my own kids and I did all this stuff. So mm -hmm. I think that's a really important point. It's like taking age out of the equation. Don't mm -hmm. let it become a big dominant factor in decision making. Mm -hmm. Now you might have to put it back in, you know, once you reevaluate everything, but don't, you know, don't let that be the driving force. That's such a great message. I, I'm a tennis player and sometimes I have, you know, people will say, oh, you know, I'm too old to get that shot. <laughs> or when I was younger, I could have gotten that. Uh -huh. And I think to myself, no, I think it's probably because, you know, we're only playing together once a week and yep. you didn't warm up and, mm -hmm. you know, so uh, let's not blame it on aging. Yeah. And you know, that that's a really yeah. good, I'm glad you brought that up because one of the things that people don't realize, even people who are in pretty good shape, is that in terms of muscle um, function, you have strength, which is a force the muscle can move. And then you have power, 
which is how much force the muscle can generate quickly. And so, and, and the, to understand the difference between that, what I tell people to do is, you know, I'll have them sit in a chair <clears throat> and then I'll say, uh, just go ahead and stand up like you normally would and then sit back down. And then this time I want you to stand up, but slowly to a count of six. And then I'll have people stand up really slowly to a count of six and sit back down. And I'll say, well, which one is easier? And people say, well, the first one. Mm-hmm. And the first one, you're using power, using tra- strength times speed. The second one, when I take the speed component out of it, you're using strength alone. Uh-huh. And how many times do you see people struggling to get out of a chair uh, as, they, as they get older? It's not necessarily uh-huh. because they don't have the strength, but they also they don't have the power. So that ability for the muscle to contract quickly is so important. And you have to train that. And you lose it at like a three times faster rate than you use strength alone. Oh, and so that's a critical. And so when you talk about you know, like a, a going after a, a line drive or something in tennis, that's power. That's the ability to contract quickly and move quickly. And mm-hmm. if you're not training that on a regular basis, you're losing it. So I see. I see. That's really interesting. That's yeah, great. I think yeah, that's one of the things that if you're working with a trainer or something, they should be helping you train power. And you know, like the whole. Um, what is it, plyometrics and uh, oh, I can't remember the name of the the outfit that's really a, a popular, where they're like tipping over tires, lifting up tires and doing oh, all these, what is that oh, called? Yeah. <laughs> the... Oh, yeah. Um... Um, it'll come to me. <laughs> yeah, it'll, it'll come. come to me. But yeah, anyway, that's really about power. When you think about I like see. those big tractor tires and you're lifting it, you can't do oh. that really slowly. You have to do it in an explosive movement. Oh. Um, and so power is more of an explosive movement. And it's funny because when I first started really coaching people to do power training with older adults, they were like, what are you talking about? You can't. And it's like, no, it, power is important for every functional task. And if you think about um, a lot of people are, are concerned about falls. Um, and so if you think about preventing a fall, so much of that has to do with the ability to move a foot quickly if you stumble to be able to quickly recover, to really move that leg quickly to, to, to recover that your balance. And so I think we're so focused on strength, but we have to start incorporating power as well. I see. Wow. Yeah. There's yeah. such a science behind this. There that is. Yeah. I, I, I don't know very much about, but <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to it. Yeah. Um, Kate, where can people find out more about your work and the vitality work? Um, they can go to my website. It's mm-hmm. just, you know, kvannorman.com. And okay. I don't, do you want me to spell that for you? Or... Sure. Why okay. don't you? So it's K-A-Y, V is in Victor, A, N is in Nancy, N is in Nancy, O-R-M-A-N. Okay. So just like it sounds, um, .com. And I invite you to, to come to the website and there's a there's a tab uh, that says inspire personal vitality. If you go to that, there's a you can go and there'll be a, a bunch of free downloads. And one okay. of them is the the vitality portfolio starter toolkit. So it'll show it'll give you the the model and um, have a few worksheets that you can kind of think through. Um, and then there's also just I just added a chapter that I just finished writing for a book with the Jack Canfield 
the author mm-hmm. of Chicken Soup for the Soul series. Yes. I wrote a chapter for a, a book he's putting out, and I just um, uploaded that to the website, and you can download oh, wow. that for free as well. And it talks about this concept of ageism and your health decisions, and it, it uh, kind of keys up the vitality portfolio model. So I invite that's, you to check those out. And, yeah. That's excellent. And that that'll be, I think, really helpful. And and maybe um, our audience can do a download and bring it to their trainer or to their sure. whoever they're working with, or just spark some thoughts about mm-hmm. maybe I'll take the dog for an extra walk. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll you know uh, get out my cross country skis again. Whatever, mm-hmm. but just something to um, inspire. Right, and even just uh, maybe now I'm gonna when I'm talking on the phone, I'm gonna stand up. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to maybe do a, some hamstring or some quad stretches because we tend to have pretty tight, you know, quad muscles, the front of the, the thigh muscle, looser hamstrings. And so, you know, trying to think about the muscle imbalances that happen and what could I be doing? Maybe if I sit down and, you know, pull my shoulders blades together and back because so much of what I do in a day contracts the front of the chest. And what mm-hmm. do I do that actually mm-hmm. stretches the front of the chest? And just started thinking of the human body as a is a really amazing machine and what can I do to help it keep running uh, properly? <laughs> I helpful. love that. You talk yeah. about, you know, making deposits and I think of it as also a gift. I mean, these are gifts oh, that yeah. you're giving yourself. Well, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the key is, is you want to build up your, your functional reserves and your wellness reserves as much as possible because we're all going to have challenges. There's no question. But mm-hmm. when you do have a challenge, you don't want it to push you down below the level of functional independence. And so trying to keep that built up and then, like I said, not allowing that setback to be the new set point and saying, oh, well, now that I'm, you know, this age and I have a problem and then I just have to accept, you know, my my fate. But no, you know, do the best that you can with what you have. What are the adaptive strategies you can bring to bear? The mindset of well-being, um, and I don't know if I have time to, to tell one more story, but sure. my my friend Eldo is another great example. And, and I do a lot of horseback riding, and Eldo I've ridden with for about 20 years. When he was 80 years old, he fell off the top of a haystack and broke his back and his neck. Mm. And, of course, everybody was devastated, all his riding friends and stuff. And I went in, got enough nerve to go to the hospital and see him. And, and when I walked in the, the door, the first thing he said was, I can't believe I messed up my whole bleepity bleep summer of riding. And he did not one time believe he was done Mm. because he was 80 and had this severe injury. He was just mad because he had messed up his summer of riding. The summer. The summer. And I was like, that was such an awesome thing. And then the next thing he did was the neck brace they had him in was really hurting him. And he said to the nurse, he said, this is really hurting me. I need to talk to the orthopedic. And, And she said, kind of patronizing. Well, you can't expect it to be comfortable. And he said, I didn't say comfortable. I said tolerable. Get me the orthopedic on the phone. Hmm. And so she did. And so he took charge of his well-being. He didn't Hmm. turn it over to anyone else. He said, this is what I need. And he got something different and it helped him. And then the other thing that was super interesting was that he got out of the hospital about two days before the 4th of July weekend, and he called all of his writing friends and said, come over for a barbecue. I'm having a 4th of July barbecue. And it was a very clear mm-hmm. signal. Don't count me out. I'm Don't still write. part of this group. And so that social, I mean, when, as I was watching him go through this, I was clicking through the research on resilience, you know, the 
positive expectations, the social connections, the, you know, uh, self-efficacy, you know, taking charge, you know, so he was demonstrating every single <laughs> one of those building blocks check, of resilience. Check, check. Yeah, it was so interesting, you know, uh. and, and then seven weeks to the day after he broke his back, he called me and he said, the doctor said I could ride. And I said, he did oh. not. <laughs> oh my goodness. But he did. And he said, as lo- the doctor said, as long as I, I'm on a good horse and don't do anything stupid, <laughs> I can go riding. So I took him to the mountains and he rode for like 30 minutes and that was enough. And then he just kept working at it. And by the end of the summer, the riding season, about October, he went on a 26 mile horseback ride with all of us in Yellowstone Park. And what a so great story. It, it was such an inspiration to me because of all the work that I do and the research and the reading and to watch it play out in front of me was just yes. amazing. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, but it was a hundred percent. His mindset and his willingness to just, you know, fight back and move forward and keep believing that he was going to do what he loved to do. Some so. grit. Grit. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I love that story. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much for bringing a, a new aspect to our conversation here about, you know, what do you do if you have a setback mm-hmm. and what how important mindset is and really examining your thoughts about ageism and how they may you may be unconsciously mm-hmm. you know acting them out i think these are really interesting points and 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 some of them are not as um we don't hear them as often mm-hmm. um, so i really appreciate that yeah that's and um, uh, we will have the listeners. I'll go ahead and put that up on the show notes so they'll be able to find you. Thank you Perfect. so much. Well, thank you. I've, it's been a pleasure to visit with you, and I'd love to do it anytime. Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. If you like the podcast, please share it with some of your friends. I love to hear from my listeners. Send me an email at nicolechristina.com. In this phase of our lives, we're more aware that our time is precious, and we certainly don't want to waste it taking care of stuff that we no longer need, left over from a life that we are no longer living. We know we would feel better with less clutter and more open space, but we don't know how to get there. If this sounds familiar, I'd love you to check out the online course I've developed with professional organizer and designer, Carrie Luteran. This course is different than others you may have tried because we give you clear steps to deal with the clutter and tools to help you face the overwhelm and feelings that come up when you're going through your clutter. It's practical and realistic, and the lessons are short and punchy and very manageable, but it has the power to change your life. We all deserve to live in a peaceful home without the chaos of too much stuff. Find out more at NicoleChristina.com. And stay tuned next week for another interview with a fascinating and inspiring guest.